we will make this part two of seeking God, doing what is right. Seeking God, doing what is right. And when I ended last time, we were talking about seeking God, and we not we don't don't mean a search for God as if He's lost somewhere or whatever, because He's already revealed Himself to His people. I gave you kind of a parallel chapter of the people in the book of Amos that had known God but had lost God in religion, the politics of the day, in everyday practical life, that they wasn't following after God. They wasn't following after his word. Seek means, as the expositor's dictionary says, to turn to him in trust and confidence. It means to turn to God in trust and confidence because the people during that day hadn't had turned away from him. They needed repentance. It was saying, and so seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the righteous let and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the people had turned to their own devices, to their own ways, to walking in what they were doing. They, they turned to turn and put their confidence in the world and the things around them. Uh, Barnes notes comments, it does not mean to seek to get something from God, but rather to seek God for what he is in himself, or for what God is in himself, meaning a turn in character and what was motivating you to follow or to seek after God. Now, what he is in himself is another way of describing seeking to be in the image of God. Seek means going after to be like God. When you seek after someone, you're trying to imitate God, trying to, to do this. We will live forever as God does because that's the type God life that God's lived. He lives an abundant life. That's what he wants for us, his children. He wants an abundant life. Uh, repentance. That's why it says, let the wicked man turn from his ways. We must turn from what we're doing, and that seeking requires an action on our part. In living by every word of God, we should notice the order in which he commands this of seeking God. He says, seek good and not evil. Hate evil and love good. Uh, that was coming from where we ended up last time. I think it was Amos, the fifth chapter of Amos. Yes. The action of turning to good precedes the motion of hating evil and loving good. The action of turning to good precedes the emotions of hating evil because as you turn to God in repentance, you'll start hating the things that God hates, loving the things that God loves because we're adopting or we're taking on his character. 
Holiness involves action and emotions. That's why it tells us to pursue holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Seeking and shunning, loving good and hating evil. So he wants us to turn to good and make it a target of our everyday life is to do good works, to do as Jesus came here to do. That's why he came to do good works, and he tells us not to grow weary of well-doing. So to walk in the vocation in which God had called us, he had created us, he had purposed us, created us to do good works. We should seek to do good. As in Micah, I think it was Michael 6 and 8, I says, you know what's required of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to do good. He wants us, if we wait for God to infuse us with right, the right kind of feeling before we try to do good, then we'll wait a long time because it will never happen. This is something that we have to form in ourselves. It's not something that comes about by osmosis or just an infusion from God. This is something that we actively do is working out our own salvation. It's something that's formed in us. It says, until Christ be formed in us. So these are works that a living faith precipitates. A faith without works is a dead faith. So a living faith would precipitate these actions. We have to take actions first by faith, and the corresponding right feeling will follow. So if you start walking by faith, acting upon the word of God, because faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God, it's going to inspire you, the word of God. That's why we must be born again, and it's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. It's going to be, in other words, right actions and right thing. Holiness is not just a way of life or a rule of life to live by. It also produces the very best quality of life, the way God lives eternally because God is holy. That's why he's wanting us to be holy because it's pure. It's, he wants the best for us like any parent wants the best for their child. God's people have to think of constantly of holiness, appreciating that he has chosen us not chosen us out of this world and given us the grace to be holiness. It's by grace we're saved and by that giving grace that we're saved, we need to present our bodies unto him, making ourselves, or purging ourselves, washing ourselves by the doing of his will, of his word, walking in his word, which sanctifies us. It's what set us apart. Back in, I think, one of the chapters preceding this, it may have been in this chapter. I don't want to keep going backwards, but it says, Put on thine strength, put on thy beautiful garments. That's just not Old Testament lingo. It's rather New Testament very much, and it's quoted. It says, Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Just notice how many times, uh, how many active words, Paul uses doing Colossians to describe what a Christian must be doing. 
the actions a Christian must do. Verse 1 says, Seek those things which are above. Remember, Luke tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All of these things shall be added unto us. Verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things. It has to be in the realm of God. It has to be in that spiritual realm that we set our minds and look to God. That's the transitioning that happens. Verse 5 says, Put to death your members. Doesn't the book of Romans says, Mortify the deeds of the flesh. In other words, we have to put to death the old man. We have to die to self. It says, Take up your cross and deny yourself and follow after us. Consistently, all of these are actions that we must do. Mortification, that's a mortician. In other words, one who puts to death. That's what a mortician does. He beautifies a corpse. He takes that corpse. He embalms that corpse. We must continually mortify the body. And in other words, killing the body. Falsely buffing his body to bring it under control. Verse 8, it says, put off all of these. Put off all of these. It's a cleansing of what we are of the old man. Malice, bitterness, lying, all of the things that we used to do, we have to actively watch ourselves. We have to be circumspect. We have to see the old man and don't let it happen to us. If we yield our members unto unrighteousness, then we are serving of righteousness and by faith we're not looking that Christ came to save us from our sin, not in our sin. So we shouldn't continue in sin. We shouldn't let sin reign in our mortal body where we would obey it in the lust thereof. Because Christ, he didn't obey sin. Christ by obedience did that was right and that's what we have to do seeking after him. If we put on Christ, we seek to be like him. We seek to have his character and that is one of overcoming. We have to overcome sin. Do not lie to one another, verse 9. And it's, you'll be amazed at how many times we as Christians lie to one another daily and on a consistent basis without even a reason and it's not advantageous it's just pride and different reasons that we lie and don't have to lie it has become part of our nature not watching what we do that's the carnal man which is enmity with God that's carnality why should we lie about something and that's deception. Those are things that will stop us from inheriting the kingdom of God. It says so because no liar should enter in. So this is a consciousness in seeking God. We must have clean hands because if our body is the temple of God and for God to dwell in us to draw nigh unto God, we have to put off all of those things. It says, put on tender mercies. Are we a merciful because Jesus Christ become a merciful high priest? Are we merciful to each other? Those of us, those that show mercy will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the merciful. Are you a very merciful person? Is that what's enlarging in you? Mercy enlarges in us as we walk in Christ. Bearing with one another and forgiving. Put on love, verse 14. Let the peace of God rule and be thankful, verse 15. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, verse 16. Do all in the name of Jesus Christ, verse 17. So Paul here makes sure we understand that we must actively participate in order to grow. So we must actively seek a search after God. I told you it's like every day getting up seeking and searching for God. Where is God? I want to see God. I want to find God each day. And I want to be in the presence of God. When God talks about growth, he means increasing in his attributes. In other words, in his image, in his likeness. The qualities that will conform us to his image. Those necessary qualities of mercy, gentleness, all of those are fruits of the Spirit that if we are walking in His Word, that it produces itself spiritually in us. God's a husbandman, and He's purging us through situations. Everything in our day-to-day life is designed by God to promote spiritual growth in us. He says, Because every tree that bringeth forth, he purges it. He prunes it so it would bring forth more fruit. Colossians 3.1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life that is sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Can we seek something without doing something? Can you seek anything without doing anything? No. That word seek implies a search within itself, a looking for. I I was telling you, I thought I dropped something by the truck. But I have to search, I have to look, I have to actively do something to seek to see what's the result of those things. If we are seeking in terms of research, we're digging through books and constantly each day I'm reading this online and pulling this commentary. I just quoted from Barnes, Kyle and Delich, uh, uh from all of these the expositories dictionary. You have concordances. You have word study books. You're reading other stuff because why? You're digging, you're searching, you're seeking for the answers like Digging for fine gold. You can't just look and it's going to be laying on top of the ground. You must search for it. When you, even a bird, it says God feeds the bird. God feeds the sparrows. But how many times have you seen God just dropping worms out of the sky into a bird's mouth? Or do that bird have to get down there and scratch and you see him sticking his beak down there in the dirt and scratching with his little feet and things? It's food there. It's a bug there. It's something. But he has to search for it. He has to seek for it. So even though he says, don't worry because the lilies of the field, they toil not, and the sparrows of the field, aren't we more valuable? But notice that those things work for what they get. We don't get anything for nothing. 
if we are seeking where a problem might lie in our lives, we will be examining our lives. And that's what I told you. We consistently, and that's what the coming up to communion last Sabbath day says we are to examine ourselves. But we should be examining ourselves all the time to find out. We tell God, look in the book of Psalms, it says, search me, Lord, to see is there be anything in me that shouldn't be there. And so by going through God's word, going and studying the word of God and praying to God, his word is a light and a lamp unto our path. That's why we have to get an understanding and wisdom from him to say, okay, this applies to me. This is the mirror. I'm searching in God's word. I can't go away from the word and forget what manner of man I am. I have to do something about this big zit this mirror is showing on me. It showed me I'm a liar. Somebody through some criticism, my brother, friend, enemy, whoever it be, something that was said that day was designed to make me think and examine myself or the inner man. That's why I say we have to take constructive or any type criticism, everything that's said, the words that we have said, the value of life and death lies in those words. That's why we shouldn't just do idle talk or just say anything. We have to seek God. That is our part. He says, when you search for me with all of your heart, then you'll find me. It cannot be a casual. It has to be zealous, but it has to be with knowledge. The book of Romans says, the Jews have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. We have to do this the right way. You can fervently do something, but do it the wrong way. Is it that is that not what God says to the Laodiceans? In Revelation 3.19, he says, Be zealous and repent. In other words, you got to actively, you got to repent because the Laodiceans seemed to be kind of slow. For they were workers and everything, but they were apathetic. They had reached a pinnacle, a place where they thought they had everything that become complacent and they thought they owned God and they didn't have to search and continually search for God. It's like some of the older people in the church feeling they've done their part and they can just lay back now and put it on cruise control. We do not have to search God out as if he's lost, but that we're trying to duplicate God. In other words, we're trying to imitate God. We're trying to be like God because he has that eternal life. He has abundant life. And that's what we choose. That's what we're trying to get, that life that he possesses. When it says he, he lives, uh, he means live abundantly and everlasting. Regardless of how much we have in the way of material goods, we can still live abundantly, but this is directly tied to seeking God. Because we know that the word of God prevents covetousness in us because it teaches us, as Paul says, he learned to be a base, he learned to humble himself because he's learned to be content with such that he has. So we need to learn contentness and that godliness is not necessarily gain. 
some religions teaches that prosperity and godliness is gained, but we have to see and we have to have a wisdom and an understanding and a knowledge to, that we can come across God. We seek Him to be like Him. We seek Him to build a relationship with Him. If, if, if I don't talk with my wife, if I don't talk with someone, I tell you that me and Brother Parker call one another. Friendship has to be worked at to sustain a friendship. Friendships drift apart. Families drift apart. Spouses drift apart. Drift apart. I was talking with a young man today that I was riding with about marriages because I talked to my daughter about it, that article I had read. About 89% of the marriages today, and majority of them is not about adultery or unfaithful spouse, is that they have drifted apart. They've drifted apart, and it may be uh, because of the way they raised the children, or relationship, relationship issue. We're not in the same. How can I say world that that we were years ago, and a lot of men are lazy or not sharing because what happens. The wife works all day now, too. Both of them have two jobs, a different job. Both of them have jobs or whatever. I think 53% of those, 80, that that 89% that were married, 53%, a lot of them divided because of household chores. Some of the husbands never cooked. They never cleaned up. They never did housework. They never did things because... That should be sharing since both of us are working. And now also a lot of times the wife makes much more than the husband makes. They're not splitting the chores. They're not splitting, rearing the children. If that changed, that man can't be sitting back talking about this is the job of a man. This is what men do. I think culturally that has changed a good bit. So it's not just those things that causes divorce. So we have to see how God works in a society. And that's what Jesus came. And Jesus was friendly to a lot of the ladies that came. See, because it was the Pharisees, a man-driven culture that had condemned the adulterous woman. They didn't even bring the man. But they wanted him to stone the woman to death. A lot of women today have worked and put the husband through school and college and everything else. He'd gotten a job as a lawyer, a doctor, and I didn't want to cast her aside to change things around or whatever. We're living in a day and time where we're not seeking to keep God in the homes and in the marriage. We have to pray together as husbands, wives, and children, as families, as churches, to be able to stay together. If we, you need to work at a relationship and seek God to keep that right relationship united because Satan is seeking to divide that relationship. So, but what Jesus comes now, he comes with a sword to set these variances because you have to be fixed and fitted in. That character that God's fitting in, he's fitting that man or woman into righteousness. Now they're going to have to take an even bolder stand. 
So there will be a lot of divorces. There will be a lot of separation because he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. So those divisions are going to be much more prominent. The commentaries note that both seek and live are in the imperative. In other words, it's like a command. Imperative. It says, it is a command to be diligent, to be fervent, and persevering in following through in seeking. So when he says, seek the Lord, that's a command. It's in, it's in the imperative form of language. That's a statement saying, this you do. Be diligent about it and be fervent. That's why in James it says the fervent prayer of a righteous man because a lot of people just pray. And man, you don't even want to hear some people pray because they stumble through the prayer for words and everything. There's no heart, no spirit in it. And what are you trying to do? Think of what to say or something? You don't, you can't talk to God like you're talking to your father, that you're talking to someone that you know. What kind of relationship do you have that you're not bringing something to him? It's too cold and formal to be a prayer. It's not going to get answered. It doesn't go very deep. And so the Pharisees came before Jesus. Well, I fast twice a week. I do all this. Well, this is by road. I heard a preacher this week talking about how many people that make him sick, they hear it. He hearing them recite the Lord's Prayer, just reciting the Lord's Prayer. That's not praying churches. People don't do that. That's not learning to pray. A child could get up there and recite, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's nothing in that. That's a form prayer. My, my, my. I'm Amos says that another change will be in a person's relationship with people. That is there'll be a change in the church. We call this fellowship. The untransformed attitude towards people to use people to promote, promote personal interest. Many a church meeting tonight, next week, and all through the week, and through the days, and whenever they do meet. But it's to sever, it's to strengthen business ties. It's a social thing of something for them. It's what they can get out of it. A lot of the ministers and people having churches because they fear somebody's going to steal their members. And it's how many collections or how much we can do. And it's God is not in it. That's why he told them, seek not to, seek not to Bethel, seek not to Gilgal, and all of these other places where the shrines and all of this false religion was because they were going to church. They were having religion. But God wasn't in it. As he says, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It was just people singing. And I heard a preacher the other day talking about they didn't have a choir or whatever because, you know, choirs, sometimes they, nowadays you hear a lot of paid musicians and the musicians at the church, but you used to hear church churches sing preacher, some sister, somebody would get up and lead a song. Everybody in the church would see. That's why you had the hymnals because people want to express their, their views to God and sing. Singing songs. A lot of the things in the Bible are songs or hymnals 
And the church had hymnals in the pew, and everybody sung together. You had a few sisters or brothers or someone would sing a solo and sing a song, but it was to the Lord. It had feelings, but it wasn't as commercialized as music is today. Yes. It's commercialized. Everything is commercialized. It's, it's like canned fruit or something. It's something that's put on, and it's a preservative in it. People are objects to be used by the unconverted. They look at numbers and masses. They count how many people have. People don't join a church unless it's a mega church. They don't want to go to a smaller church that's small in numbers unless they have programs for their children, unless they're doing this one, two, three, unless they have some kind of organizational thing that's targeting something other than God. They're not seeking God. They're seeking to be entertained. God is not here to entertain you. Preachers aren't here to entertain you. But the people are seeking entertainment in the churches. And then throughout the year, if you don't entertain them, they go bring in the televisions and things so they can have the Super Bowl. Yes. They go put up on they go put on musical and talent shows and acting and all of these other things. Because the church, a majority of the church has lost its direction. Consider Christ's words in Luke, the 22nd chapter, the 24th through the 27th verse. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. So we have a strong tendency to apply these verses only to those in authority in an authoritarian way but it applies to everybody regardless of status because that's all that we seeking it's a competitive society it's a competitive nature the carnal mind takes advantage of every opportunity to pro promote themselves in their interest that's why you have YouTube, Facebook uh, TikTok and all of these programs the most famous picture itself is called a selfie people taking pictures of themselves if you get their camera 60% of the pictures only could be of themselves it's about self it's about their 15 minutes in the sun the colonel will lie, scheme steal, twist the truth, deceive slander dishonor their parents and even murder to get their own way to come out on top to win, to look good, to get acclaimed, to get rich all of these are characteristics are attributes of Satan and that's what they're seeking those things that's why it says that you, you, you can't follow God, love God and mamma too but those are the things that the world seeks after that's why God tells us, his people, to seek ye first the kingdom of God 
in all these things, all what things? The things that are necessary to you in your life. Not all of these things here that you, your partner mind desires and wants, but the things that necessary. The things that you pray to God for, you have not because you're asking amiss. The reason God's not granting an answer to those prayers or petitions is you don't really need it. It's going to mess you up. It's not going to make you a better child of God. We have clicks like winning is the only thing. Or if you got it, flaunt it. Show the bling and all of these other things. What restaurant you went? How much did you pay for something? All of these name brands and things, it's being of renown. Those are extremes, but the carnal mind thinks in that direction and attitude because Satan have deceived the whole world and the whole world Follow it after the beast, yes. after this world's system, after this world's ways. That's why he tells his people to come out of Babylon. Babylon is a sign of the world system of the world, the whole cosmological ball of wax that Satan has designed. It's away from God. It's a stammering to where the languages is confused and it's about money. It's not about God. It's not about self. And if they come toward God, it's for what God can provide and not for God himself. It may be to dethrone God. The unconverted people use people and situations for their advantage. A converted person, one whom God is transforming, will not do that. Their characteristics would be different that they are seeking God, they would be like Paul says, oh, don't worship us, don't look up on us, for we're just mere men just like you. We're fellow worshipers like you. Some people want to be themselves, and that's why, you know, I said, I don't get really off on birthdays and other things that brings attention to me. He would put himself humbly and willingly as Christ did in the position of a servant. He humbles himself. He lowers himself. That's what the converted does. Whereas what we do, we want to put self on a pedestal. We want to lift self up. And that's why I say some holidays and some things glorify self and not God. It takes it away from others. uh, takes it away from God. And these people that misuse, there's a lot of wives that misuse their husbands, a lot of husbands that misuse their wives, children misusing parents, parents misusing children. It's a society of misuse. Those are the characteristics and attributes that was going on during Amos' time of the religious people. That's what this nation has devolved into. One that misuses and uses everything within grasp of them. The attitude we see out in the world especially is especially important to those of us reared under pervasive influence of American capitalism. The guy that I was told you I was driving with the day that I was talking to he was talking about American capitalism and the governmental system or whatever. But I'm not after uh, going after a particular governmental system that is America, Britain, or Russia, or Ukraine, or 
China or Japan or any particular system, but these where the attitude is not that of God because God's people are scattered throughout the world. So when he says, seek ye God, we went over civic righteousness, a civic responsibility last week. It's an attitude of intense competition is the thing that's driving and motivating and behind everything that's going on in this nation. And that's why I said we got the wrong motivator. And it's hard to stay divided, to be separated. But Christ did come to separate us. That's the sword he's using. The word of God separates us and puts us in one of those two camps. So what we witness out in public is an excess of virtually everything except genuine love for one another. And that's why I say, even in the churches, I don't see true love for one another. The spirit is not there. The coldness, the divisiveness, all of these things exist in the church. And that's why we were talking about the Laodicean church. And he says, be zealous and repent. That's why he told one of the churches that you've left your first love. It is a major reason divorce is so prevalent today because it's about self and not reciprocal love for one another. Vanity and pride are driving husband and wife to compete rather than cooperate. And I think I came in talking about spouses being divided, households divided. Truly coming into contact with God is a humbling experience. That's why he says, if you zealously pursue me and search for me, then you start finding that to get close to God, you start becoming like God because to be in a relationship with God, to be a friend of God, that he started revealing things to you that that's why friends are friends. They have things in common. Friends can't be very good friends if they don't have things in common. That's why different people that do different drugs, they don't hang with other people that do a different drug than they do. Birds of a feather, in other words. Because now we can start to see ourselves as we should when we start seeing him from his point of view. You remember I told you perception. And that's why I said you have to strain to get a vision. So when you start seeing God through the eyes of faith, when you be able to see God, you're starting to see that mirror image in that glass darkness, darkly, you're starting to see yourself move closer to God. It says, humble yourself, submit yourself to God. There's a submission that takes place before you can resist the devil. You have to humble yourselves under the hand of God for this protection to be at worry. So you're seeking to, how did Jesus overcome? How did he defeat Satan? How did he cast these devils out? How did he love? How did he do all these things? And as you look unto God and really want that with all of your heart, he says, because a lot of people's hearts are full from me. They honor me with their mouth. 
But if this is really you by the eyes of faith, you're pulling off the old man. He's starting to allow you to see what you are. You're able to pull this off. You're able to put it to death because you're imitating what Christ did, how he walked. What happens then is transformation. True fellowship begins when we seek him. That's when the true fellowship. That's why this this it says the merchant go out and sell the field. That's why we start selling the world because, man, this show don't mean anything to me. Sports don't mean anything to me. Drink doesn't mean anything. Don't nothing. Finding God, if I can find God, if I could get attached to Him, if I could become one with Him, that's all I would need. Because in Him is satisfaction. That's why it says hope. Everyone that thirsted, come ye to the waters, and he that had no money, come ye buy and eat. Come ye buy wine and milk without money and without price. So here he's giving us something that satisfies every inkling, everything that's within us. And it's not purchased with money, but it's by presenting our body as a living sacrifice unto him. As we die to self, we become, we see, as John says, he must increase and I must decrease. So we start living less for self. Jesus brought this up for at least three reasons. One, to show what God is like in his attitude toward his creation. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He really loved the creation, the created. Two, to show us what should try what we should try to emulate. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So that he came down here and died and lived a life. So now what we must do is seek out what kind of life that he did live because that's how we will survive this by living as he lived. He didn't live a life of lack of want, he lived the life of pleasing the Father. He lived the sacrificial life. He disrobed himself and became a man. He laid aside his divinity and had trust, confidence, and faith in God. That's what we must do. Three, to help see evidence of conversion in ourselves. He verifies these things. You remember he took Paul and Paul saw things. God's continually to talk to us and just as he strengthened Jesus after Jesus had fasted those 40 days that he sent angels that strengthen him. God's going to strengthen us through his word. He's going to strengthen us through others. He's going to strengthen us in all different type of ways that we go feel ourselves mounting up with wings. We go feel life coursing through us. As we get older, we go feel we're getting younger. We go feel that we have a whole lot of life in us, but that if we can just touch Jesus, get the hem of his garment, I'm not feeling 60 or 70 or 80 no longer. I'm feeling God. I'm feeling for God. If I can catch hold to that. A person does not need to seek God if he already has revealed himself to him. So 
that's something else that God, not only do I know and see God, it's just that God has created a hunger in me and I can't stop desiring my necessary food that I need the Word of God. It's not that anything is making me read the Word of God or study the Word of God. Each day I sit down twice a day and read out of my devotional. I read something from back in June, I think, but I did read my devotional for August the 16th. Day by day, I read that portion, but that goes along with in conjunction to all of my studying and researching, I still have that early morning daily devotion that when I get up, do what I have to do in the morning, that is, you know, go to the restroom, put on my coffee, go in and say my prayers. While my coffee water is heating up, I'm on my knees praying to God. It's on a very low, it's very low. But 10, 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I need to get that prayer in. I need to get that direction in. I need to talk to him. I need to thank him for coming through the night, for bringing me through that night. I need to ask him for direction for that day. But then I go in there, I fix my cup of coffee, and I read my daily devotion. I read God's word. I study his word. And then I go outside and get the paper or whatever, and then I may fix me a little breakfast. I never eat breakfast and all that before I eat God's word because that's what's necessary. His word is more necessary to my food. I feel better if I read the word of God and end up missing breakfast, something happens, I didn't got behind, and the time running out, I forgot to eat breakfast, and I don't eat around lunchtime. But at least I read that word. That's that's the gas in my tank. But if I get up and get me some coffee and hurry up, get dressed and eating and then running and then don't get to read my word, feel kind of like I miss something. Something is not there. Thus, seek, seek means to turn to him in repentance. We need to turn to him. He said, if you would turn back to me, if the wicked would turn, if an unrighteous man would turn, this is a way of saying, set aside your time in life for God. Yes. Set it aside and seek after Him. In living by every word of God, we should notice the order in which He sets these commands. Holiness is not just a way of life or a rule to live by. I, hold on, excuse me, Jesus. Uh, I didn't pull this out of the thing, and I didn't see I got my notes out of order, and I'm sorry about that. Let me see, can I get back to this, because it's time to close here. Uh, we should be looking into God's Word to find out what He says we should do. On top of this, we must begin to look at our own lives, asking ourselves, because this is the pattern of my life. What can I do to avoid this problem in the first place? And examining myself, I need to know when did I first notice the problem that I'm having? Under what circumstances does these things arise? Where did it likely come from? Is it part of my environment? Just what's going on, and I need to ask God, put my life in order. 
Keep it ordered for me. Keep it as you would live life. If we're actively pursuing a way to do what is right, then God helps us to do that which is right. We're not leaning on to our own understanding. God, what am I doing wrong with my kids? In other words, whatever the problem, because it's going to point toward the problem of what's going on in life as we pray. Ask that prayer to God. If, if we're connecting in prayer, the spirits going to lead us and guide us into all truth. It's going to speak silently or through someone else, but it's God working in our everyday life as we practically grow in him because it's a preparing us for the kingdom, but it also is weeding us out of everything in us that's not like him, that's hindering us from entering into the kingdom because we're seeking to be like him. And he's going to tell you this needs to come out. That That's why he says, my angels in the last days, let the wheat and tear, to, tear grow up together and I'll separate them when I come. So if we didn't, if we're studying His Word and praying to Him, He's going to show us who's wrong in our lives. What's wrong? What are we doing? He's going to start putting His finger on sore spots. He's going to start pointing this out to somebody else. But like I say, we got to be circumspective. We have to be quickened. We have to be made alive. We have to start choosing right choosing life in those things only come through God's word. It comes to us having an ongoing conversation with him. That is ceasing not to pray. Actively looking for him in every situation and everything because it may be Satan. And when he says try the spirit to see whether they be of God, you must know your word. You must know God to know, to know Satan also that this is not of God. If somebody is introducing or causing you to lie, well, no, this is wrong and this individual is leading me wrong. This is the way I need to lead this conversation. This is where God comes in. Now, it may cause a division, a separation, but that's why he says live as much as possible at peace with all people. Well, I can't live peace because I can't compromise a tolerate in this area because now God's bringing me to witness this to you. To boldly speak this, to take this stand. Seeking to seeking to the rock. It says, seek God first. Our Savior advises in Luke 12, 15 and 31. Take heed, beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paul adds in Colossians 3 and 2, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in all of his righteousness. Righteousness is that road map. It's that pattern. It's the path. He leads me in pathness paths of righteousness for his namesake. You remember David, Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Justification is righteous. I mean, justice is righteousness. There is none that seek it after God. Romans 3.11 says, Well then, 
Are we Jews better off than they? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are under the control of sin and subject to its powers, as it is written, and forever remains written. There is none righteous, none that meet God's standards, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. God has to give us that. God comes and the Son draws and reveals the Father and causes us to seek after God. And that's when we pursue God with all that we have. The responsibility of those who have made the covenant with Him. Remember I told you this everlasting covenant of peace. A covenant is a marriage. In a marriage, each side has an obligation. And a covenant with Him to seek Him is thus not that of striving to find him or does it is to establish a relationship and like I say to establish a relationship with a person you have to know that person's needs you have to have a knowledge of that person as a relationship already exists with God that is we're children of God and I told you he wasn't coming to the Israelites in the time of Amos saying no, I mean, seek after the Lord because you know me. No, they already knew him. They had left all from following him. In other words, you didn't got off the path. You didn't drifted as in he wrote the book of Hebrews because they were drifting away from God. You need to seek back because you're walking in darkness. You're losing fellowship. You've left your first love. You need to restore this relationship as husband and wife. Sometimes they take one another for granted and they drift apart. Sometimes they get so far apart they can't get back together. You need to seek after him. If a child seeks, let his parent get so far away. Well, now he didn't got lost in the crowd and he's hollering and screaming trying to find him because why? He didn't hold on. They didn't hold to one another. We have to hold to God and seek to how can we walk together if we don't agree and our feet has taken us in wrong directions. It is seeking him in order to be like him and to walk at his steps. The walk as Jesus walked. Remember I says it is finished. All we have to do is walk therein. Walk as he walked. Live as he lived. That pattern is already, we can follow no other man, but we need to take up our cross and follow after him. But now how did he say that we could be his disciples? If we continue in his word. We have to abide in him. Abide in him. So within this relationship, it's going to cost us our lives. Our body is no longer our body. They don't belong to us. The time, it's going to cost our time. It says present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're going to have to get up early mornings. We're going to have to give God the best of our time. We're going to have to commit to him. As I said, he must increase. We must decrease. We can no longer live for self. We have to even live for others rather than ourselves. We have to exhort and help please one another. We need to live a sacrificial life. We need to understand our position in Christ. God not only loves us, but he also greatly desires us to be in his kingdom. But at the same time, he wants us to show voluntarily. Remember I said, 
this imperative when he says seek. This is something that you know that you need to be doing anyhow. Go back to the book of Mike, Micah 6 and 8 when he says, you know what's required of you. That is to live this way. Well, we know what God requires of us because here it is, his word. He had given us a living example himself, and that is the way we should live is by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And the only way we can do that is seek after Jesus, to seek to him, to walk the way he walked, to imitate Christ's walk. Now, I got off course here, and I can't go over diligent and zealous the way I wanted to to put this back in line. But that's sometimes what happens when I get these notes going like this. But I'm going to make a part three to this, not right now, but later on in the future. I'm going to pull this out and leave these notes here, but I usually don't serve stale bread, so it may not be the exact wording of this. In other words, it's fresh bread. In other words, I take my notes and go over my notes, but I do do them anew. So, Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this evening, Lord God, walking in your word and in your way, Lord God. Help us to learn to seek after you, to walk after your ways, to do that which is pleasing unto you, to lean not to our own understanding, Lord God to voluntarily follow you, Lord God, to die to self. These are things that we start to desiring to do in you, Lord God. We know it's complete when we can't sleep without wanting to pray to you or get up and look for your word. Uh, uh, don't fulfill, be fulfilled without your word. Because as in Song of Solomon, Lord God, we don't want to be like that bride that took for granted the lover and slept and slothful and Lord God that didn't reciprocate the love. We need to reciprocate by searching after you because you came down here when we were lost and you found us and redeemed us and reconciled us to God. And we forever grateful and thankful for that. And we have a debt, Lord God, that we can't repay, Lord God. But help us, Lord God, to seek after you to work Lord God, the hunger and thirst for your righteousness.